today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. As you've heard on CHML News through the course of the day, this is National Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women. 29 years ago, this very day, was the uh, the murder of 14 women at the uh, Ecole Polytechnique uh, massacre, of course, and, uh, and a number of others who were wounded. Today, interestingly enough, on this very day, a study released saying that women are the most at risk when it comes to domestic homicide. There's some rather troubling numbers here and some trends that we need to discuss. Joining us to talk about this is Nancy Smith. She, of course, is the executive director of Hamilton's Interval House. Uh, Nancy, good to have you on the program again. Thanks so much for the time today. Thanks, Bill. Uh, a dark day, uh, but a day that we, we need to talk about and need to remember. And uh, it's interesting the study came out today. I'm sure it's not coincidental that it did. But these are some rather startling numbers. Uh, it is, Bill. And, you know, the Ontario Association of Interval and Transition Houses does a femicide list every year uh, of the number of women who have been murdered in Ontario. And this year's report, sadly, there were 48 women on the list who were murdered by intimate partner or ex-partner. Uh, that's that's staggering. Well, one is one too many, but 76% of uh, the 476 people that were slain in a domestic homicide, uh, 76% of these are women or girls. Uh, that's, that's startling. It is. And, you know, in our work, Bill, we do a danger assessment. It's a research-based tool because we know there are some risk factors and red flags when a woman is in a relationship and there's some specific things we want to ask to find out her level of lethality in that relationship. And one is, if she's left an abusive relationship or is going to be leaving an abusive relationship, that's one of the triggers. If he has access to weapons or a gun, you know, if she is pregnant or after she's given birth, um, strangulation, like there are a number of different uh, areas that mark a, a woman's level of risk. And sadly, we have to ask those tough questions. Well, and, and this study here indicates, Nancy, that uh, some of the other factors about who actually could be targeted for this, it, it falls along, obviously, gender lines because of the numbers we've just talked about, but, but it also gets into ethnicity, too. Indigenous heritage is a factor, uh, immigrants, yep. refugees, uh, th- things of that nature. That's, uh, and, and again, even some cultural problems within some of those uh, ethnic areas that seem to, to manifest themselves and, and obviously t- with tragic results. Yes, of course, and we certainly know the staggering numbers. Uh, that, you know, from missing and murdered and stolen Aboriginal women, right? And we know that newcomers are at a higher risk. And in some cultures, it's, you know, seen as okay to do, to harm or murder women uh, and kids. And that, you know, sometimes women are afraid to go back to their home country to visit their families because she will be murdered. You know, there's a target on her uh, because it's part of their culture. Uh, you know, we certainly know women who are living with different abilities and disabilities are at a higher risk, you know, and so we do know uh, that there are some some variances for women, for sure. Yeah, the, the, well, they call the honor killings, there, and, and we've heard, yep. sadly, too many of them in the news in the last little while, or people that, as you said, in, and we've covered stories like this too, Nancy, that are facing deportation, and, and uh, they're saying, if I go back there, they're going to kill me. And, yeah, uh, and yeah. you know, you'd like to think there's going to be a little more sensitivity from the federal government on issues like that. Yes, and, you know, that's, a, that's part of our work, Bill, is to advocate with women in the courts and, you know, immigration services on helping women stay alive, you know, and be with their kids, raise their kids in a, in a, in a country that supports their safety. Let's, let's talk a little bit about 
the role that places like Interval House play. And, and by the way, it, it, I think it dovetails quite nicely into another one of the risk factors you just talked about uh, is isolation. Uh, a number of these women that have been murdered uh, were, in fact, in isolated areas where these support services just aren't available. Yeah, and, you know, I talk with some of the shelters up in the northern communities, and it can cost $1,000 to fly a woman to a, a shelter for safety. In our community, you know, we will send a taxi to pick her up in Hamilton to bring her here. You know, police, whoever can help support us, get her to safety. Uh, we know that there's differences. And then, you know, our own Flamborough community, you know, we put our women's centre out there, our Flamborough Women's Resource Centre out there, because we wanted to bring services and outreach services to women in communities and let them know what the services are available to them um, in our community. But we do know that there's, you know, some struggles women still have and challenges around breaking that isolation, you know, for women in rural communities. I mean, I've talked with many women in our Flamborough community, Bill, who were nailed into their house. You can't scream for help because your neighbor is further away. You know, the threat of killing the farm animals if she goes to leave because we know there's a correlation between woman abuse, child abuse, animal neglect, and cruelty. And when you're dealing with farm animals in a rural community, what do you do? Well, what so, do they do in circumstances like that? I mean, obviously, step one is, is to get out of that circumstance and that situation, but the concern, as you've articulated, are the ramifications of that. Obviously, the first one being physical violence, but there could be other things that are on the table, too. Well, first and foremost, it's about her safety and her children's safety first. Right. Yeah. And then it's about who do we, uh, who can we call in our community? Because it's about collaboration of services that help support her and her dependents and everybody else involved with her, whether it's animals or farm animals or her mom or, you know, other relatives or friends. It's about what do we do then to wrap the services around and provide that safety? And it's about using our collaterals and our supports in our community to make that happen. What have we learned 29 years ago? I, I still remember the day when we heard this on the news about what happened at Ecole Polytechnique. Uh, and, and we've had take back the night marches. I mean, we've done things, but are we accomplishing? Are we moving forward on this in, in a positive way? I mean, these, these numbers are, are suggesting we don't, but I, I'd like to think we've made some progress. Well, you know, we're still hearing women being murdered. We're still hearing, you know, women being, you know, murdered in masses. You know, like the Toronto, in Toronto, where uh, women were run down and, and killed. We're still hearing those very tragic and sad and horrific events uh, and stories. And, you know, we are making progress. You know, Hamilton is, a, is, you know, a great community to live and work because, you know, we have people in different sectors who are very committed with police, uh, EMS, children's aid, shelters, sexual assault centers who are very committed to doing great work uh, that supports safety. And, you know, we continue to be leaders in how we're doing our work in Hamilton. And, you know, we can't give up. We can't go back. We have to keep moving this issue forward till it's eradicated. Well, you've started that. I mean, I know, I know that the Don't Be a Bystander program didn't start here, but you guys have adopted it and made it your own, and I think you've done an outstanding job in gaining corporate support for that right through the community. Well, thanks, Bill. Yeah, it was Eva BC that created the Be More Than a Bystander, and we did bring purchase the rights to bring it to Hamilton because we knew Hamilton was ready for it. We knew Hamilton needed it, and we know that there's some great people in our community who also do not believe in women and children being harmed, but don't work in the sector, but want to know what can I do. And that's a great opportunity for, 
for someone to safely intervene, uh, keeping themselves safe, disrupting that harmful behavior while supporting her safety. And we knew Hamilton was ready for it. Uh, and uh, as I say, it's been embraced by so many different uh, community uh, organizations, including the Bulldogs, the Tiger Cats, uh, Mohawk College, and so many other institutions. McMaster, everybody uh, seems to be on side with this. So, so we're 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 moving slowly in that direction. But the numbers here indicate that, we, from a societal standpoint, we've got a lot of work to do. And I guess a lot of that has to do with education. It, you know, I was just at a meeting this past week, Bill, and they're still talking about early intervention and prevention is, is the way to go. We've been talking about that for a long, long, long time. And of course, we need to do more of that. Of course, we need to, you know, be really diligent about it and, and keep moving forward and not back. So yes, intervention, prevention, absolutely, at an earlier age. Well, and let's talk about a subject that always has to be part of this discussion. And that, of course, is finances. It's money. Uh, you know, we've we've had shelters that have almost had to close their doors, and uh, we've had shelters that have had to turn people away because they just don't have the resources to do this. Uh, and, and 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 obviously, that you don't ever want to see that happen. But I mean, again, the community, and for that matter, the government has to step up here. Well, we have to fundraise six hundred and thirty thousand dollars at Animal House just to offset operating costs. Our shelter is always over capacity. Last year, we ran on one hundred thirteen percent. Two of the months, we were 130%. So you're looking at a shelter where we have bulletproof glass, shatterproof glass, which is sad, where women and kids have to temporarily live, and we're fundraising that amount of money just to make it work. And then you look at the impact on your staff because you don't have more money. You don't have more money to, to pull in more staff. You have to work with what you've got. And, and I'm, I'm afraid, Bill, quite frankly, with this new government of what is it going to look like? because it's pretty scary right now, and I anticipate it's only going to get worse. Well, and as you've talked about, uh, for, for women who are brave enough to, to leave those violent situations, and oftentimes with children, uh, Interval House is a safe haven, and there are others around the community too, thankfully. Not enough, but there are others. Uh, but they can't stay there forever, uh, which means going, going out the other end, uh, you've got to have support services, supportive housing, things of that nature, and we're really falling short there. We are. We are falling short. You know, we have a crisis in Hamilton. We have overcapacity in all the women's shelters in Hamilton. And we have a housing crisis in Hamilton. And, you know, it's not just women who are fleeing abuse and violence, but women who are homeless. When women go to leave and are leaving an abusive relationship, they're often living in poverty. And they're having to look at subsidized housing in various communities because we, we, we don't have enough money to support the needs in our community. And we need our community to help us with that. And, and ongoing, which is what has to happen here. The, the government's got to step up and, and understand these situations. Uh, when we do st- stories about, you know, statistically, uh, you know, the number of homeless people, the number of people that are couch surfing, et cetera, oftentimes those are people that are, have left abusive relationships. And, and as you've described, and we've talked with some of the people that have been residents, of course, at Interval House Dance, you've brought some of them in, we've talked with them on the panels here at the show, uh, they leave with nothing. And and, and, they, yeah. and it may be from a, a relatively, you know, opulent household, whatever the money situation might have been within that family, but they just can't stay there anymore, and they've got literally the clothes on their back, and that's it. Absolutely, and we have some, you know, really great and kind people in Hamilton who donate to shelter so that when women and kids come into shelter, we can give them some change of clothes and some pajamas to sleep in and some of your basic needs met. And when they leave, you know, we have folks who donate furniture and whatnot. I've gone into many homes who are just beautiful, high-end homes, 
and there's a piece of lawn furniture in there because he's taken everything out and the walls are all damaged. But from the outside, hey, it looks lovely and beautiful. There's perceptions out there that it's, it's, it's not an issue. It still is an issue in our community and we need everybody to stand up and speak out about it. And... Well- contribute. Well, exactly. And and obviously the education component that we mentioned just a few minutes ago, uh, to try to, to mitigate some of these, these risk factors that we have talked about, uh, it just seems as if oftentimes the first reaction is violence in situations in a household like this. And, uh, and as, as many of the people that have benefited from Interval House have told us, Nancy, I know you know this very well, uh, it's hard to leave uh, because it is in a situation like that where you've got kids in a household and uh, yes, the, the 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 woman may be being abused, and she's trying to deal with that. But at the same time, she figures, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And how am I going to support my kids? And a lot of women just wanted to get better. They just wanted to get help, and they wanted to stop because she fell in love with him for a reason. And every single woman I have met with Bill will tell me why she stayed in the relationship, why she loved him, what was it. And she's waiting for that person to come back. Every time I've asked the question, if you had known this stuff early on in the relationship, would you have stayed? And every woman has said, absolutely not. But it's later on when the abuses start to creep in and start to become worse, of course, and become lethal in many cases. Well, that's the concern, isn't it? Uh, they may think, okay, I can deal with this uh, as bad as it is, but oftentimes it escalates. It always escalates, Bill. Uh, the physical is always typically not the first thing that's seen. Right? It's the verbal, it's the emotional, it's the financial. Uh, and, you know, it does escalate. It does get worse without interventions that specifically address violence against women. You know, we, we do look at all the risk factors and we look at what, it, what needs to be put in place to reduce a woman's risk and her children's risk and who needs to be a part of that with her. Uh, this is as good an opportunity as any to dovetail into the fact that, of course, we at the CHML Christmas Tree of Hope with our Children's Fund uh, do what we can uh, to try to help out with uh, the great work that you do at Interval House. And this is Blitz Weekend. Uh, and we're going to talk about this often uh, through the course of the weekend, Nancy, because we want to tell stories about how the the money that has come into the uh, Children's Fund over the years has benefited and, and helped to do the sort of things that you guys do. And uh, you're a key player in this community. And this is a great weekend for people to get involved uh, who are listening to our conversation right now and say, well, what can I do to help? Uh, you can make a donation to the Children's Fund, and obviously that goes filtered right through to agencies like yours. Yes, and you guys are great, Bill. We absolutely really appreciate the support that you know the Children's Fund provides in Interval House. That money goes directly to our services for women and kids, goes directly to making sure that they're supported, getting respectful and responsive service because you and I and everybody would expect nothing less, and we want to give that a high standard of service to women and kids. People can also donate directly to Interval House of Hamilton. Uh, So we thank you, Bill, for your generous uh, care and donations. I got about 15 seconds left here, but I got one more question for you here, Nancy. For people that are listening to this conversation that may say, you know what, I need to do this, how can they get in touch with you? They can call 905-387-9959, or go to www.intervalhousehamilton.org. Perfect. Nancy, thanks as always. Great talking with you again today. Thanks, Bill. Take care. Take care. Nancy Smith, of course, Executive Director of Hamilton's Interval House. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.